listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. The title of today's broadcast is Monsters. Hello my radio friends. Welcome to today's Give Me the Bible program. If I asked you what a monster looks like, I wonder what you'd say. Probably most people would describe a monster as a large, bizarre kind of animal that they would not like to meet in the dark. Monsters are not just part of science fiction. Did you know that the Bible has quite a lot to say about monsters? Often they are described as beasts, probably because they are animal-like. And maybe when the Bible was written, the word monster may not have existed. The Bible's first mention of monsters is in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. You see, Daniel had a dream. It was a parallel dream to the one King Nebuchadnezzar had, and it concerned world powers. Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of a man-like figure with a head and shoulders of gold, chest and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze and legs of iron, its feet were made of iron mixed with clay. God revealed to Daniel the prophet that the image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream was an overview through time of the dominant world kingdoms right up to our day and age. Uncannily, what God revealed has come to pass. History confirms every single aspect of the dream although that should be no surprise, as God knows the future. Daniel's dream, as recorded in Daniel chapter 7, is even more intriguing, as it provides a pictorial view of those very same empires, plus other further details. The world kingdoms were Babylon, that's the head of gold, Medo-Persia, that's the chest of silver, Greece was the thighs of bronze, and Rome the legs of iron plus a mix of iron and clay, representing the remnants of the Roman Empire. What Daniel saw in his dream was frightening. One by one, different monsters rose up out of the sea. But in his vision... The Babylonian Empire was represented as a monster that looked like a lion with wings, like an eagle's wings. Following it was a lopsided bear-like monster with three ribs clenched between its teeth. The third monster to appear was like a leopard with four heads plus four wings as well. And here's how Daniel described the fourth monster, and it's from Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. He says, After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth monster, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. 
It was devouring and breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the monsters that were before it, and it had ten horns. The monster, of course, represented the Roman Empire, and accurately describes how Roman armies mercilessly conquered surrounding countries and territories. It's good that Daniel was given the vision by God, otherwise what he saw would have been nothing but a weird nightmare. Then, with the passing of time, something strange happened in the monster. A new horn began to grow from its head, and as it grew it pushed up three of the existing horns, roots and all. The new horn, though, was quite different. In verse 8, Daniel describes it this way, And there in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth, speaking pompous words. A monster represents a world power. Horns represent power too that came out of the previous one. In this case, it was a different sort of power, not so much as to be used in fighting or physical combat, but in using the power of words. And Daniel describes those words as pompous words. What are pompous words? They are loud, boastful pronouncements of greatness. Like the children would chant when I was a child, I'm the king of the castle, you're the dirty rascal. Their pronouncements like, I am the greatest, I'm Mr. Big, you are to honour me. Daniel describes more in verse 11. He says, I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the monster was killed and its body was destroyed and given to the burning flame. The death of the monster represents the end of that world-dominating empire. Have you ever had a really bad dream and were glad to wake up and discover that it had been all a dream? But Daniel couldn't get the vision out of his mind. He troubled him very much until a heavenly being explained the dream to him. Daniel had questions, especially about that late-to-arrive horn that became big and spoke boastful, pompous words. Daniel wanted to know who or what the horn was and what its activities were about, making war against the saints and prevailing against them. The heavenly being explained. We read what he said in Daniel chapter 7, verses 21 through to 27. He said, The fourth monster shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the other kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings that shall arise from this kingdom. 
and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and intend to change times and laws. Then the saints will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. And Daniel then announces, This is the end of the account. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. In this day and age, we're fortunate to be able to look back through history and we have the complete Bible to know what the heavenly being explained to Daniel. But I imagine some of you, like Daniel, are quite perplexed in trying to understand what this is and was all about. So let me help you. This power... The fourth monster power was different from the other three empires. In what way, you might ask? Simply this. The empire was not just a civil political power. It became a religious power. The religious power was the little horn that grew out of the political power. The Roman Empire became known as the historians call it, the Holy Roman Empire. The dominant figure of the Holy Roman Empire was the Pope. It's no wonder that what Daniel saw with the little horn, with eyes like a man and speaking pompous words, surprised him. He saw in vision what we would call today the papacy, the leadership of the Roman Church, featuring the Pope. Now, there is a difference of opinion as to the beginning of the papal reign, but many scholars have put the date at 538 AD. In the explanation to Daniel, the heavenly being said that the pompous words uttered by the mouth of the horn were a against the Most High. So then, who is the Most High? Well, it's none other than God. But how can that be, you might ask? Isn't the Roman Catholic religion a God-fearing religion? Well, yes, but no. You see, the Pope claims sole jurisdiction and sovereignty over the people of the earth. The Church claims that the Pope can do no wrong, that he is infallible. 
The church claims that it has the power to forgive sin. The church claims that it is the only pathway to salvation. The church also claims that its traditions are of higher value than God's holy word, the Bible. The church claims that the Pope has been invested by God as his vicar, that is, his representative on earth, and therefore has total religious power, even if it differs from the express will of God in the Bible. In effect, what the church claims is that the Pope is God on earth. That, of course, is extremely pompous, and it is in opposition to what God has said. Friends, we're talking about a serious matter, and you can see why Daniel was so troubled. But there's more. The heavenly being said that this power would persecute the saints. So then, who are the saints? Well, they're God's true people, of course. They're the people who live according to the Bible. They are those who have accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. They are the people who do what God says. And keep his commandments. Has the Roman Church had anything to do with persecuting the saints? Well, anyone who knows even a little about European history would know about the Inquisition and the efforts made to quench publication of the Bible and to stop the, the spread of Protestantism. They would know about the torture. And murder of people who remained faithful to God, people who'd done no wrong. They were tortured, persecuted, and murdered, and murdered simply because they would not accept the authority of the Roman Church over the authority of God. Millions upon millions of good, faithful Christians were murdered by the activities. Of the Roman Church, history confirms what was explained to Daniel about the horn power persecuting the saints. We're going to stop here, have a little break, and go on straight afterwards. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus and to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise and to know the saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I Trust him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust the precious. 
before the break, we were talking about this horn power, which we can safely identify as the Roman Church persecuting the saints. And I've mentioned in some earlier programs that I have two editions of Fox's Book of Martyrs. It is gruesome reading. For centuries, the dominant Roman Church tried to force people to accept their, in many cases, unholy doctrines and practices. And if those people would not, they were murdered and their property confiscated. And that was done by a religious power. What a strange power this one was and is indeed, that all sense of justice and respect for human rights were abandoned in order for it to have its unholy way. But that's not all that bothered Daniel. According to the explanation by the heavenly being, this power would attempt to change the times and laws that God had put in place. The question is, what times and what laws? When God created the earth and everything in it, he did not just click his fingers and voila, there it all was at once. I've no question that God could have done so if he chose. Instead, he established time. He established the day and the week. And the week consisted then of seven 24-hour days, just as it does now. For a time, Egypt tried a 10-day week. And then the Etruscans had an eight-day week. And there have been other trials in having a different number of days in the week, but they haven't continued. But what has the Roman church, the man-like horn power, done? Here's what the Bible in Genesis chapter 2, verses 2 and 3 says. On the seventh day of the week, I'm sorry, on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had done, and he rested from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which he had created and made. In other words, God made this one day special. It was the Sabbath. Now, let me share with you a couple of statements from Roman Catholic sources about the papacy changing the times of worship. And the first is from the Converts Catechism of Catholic Doctrine. Question. Which is the Sabbath day? Answer. Saturday is the Sabbath day. Question. Why do we observe Sunday instead of Saturday? Answer. We observe Sunday instead of Saturday because the Catholic Church transferred or changed the solemnity from Saturday to Sunday. That's the first one. This is from uh, the Catholic publication Catholic Record. It says this, The Catholic Church is above the Bible, and this transference of the Sabbath observance 
is proof of that fact. Well, if that's not a pretty bold statement, I don't know it is. Here's another one. The American Catholic Quarterly Review says, Sunday is a law of the Catholic Church alone. Now, there are many other similar statements, and some that openly criticise Protestants for keeping Sunday instead of Saturday as their holy day. So, that's a change of the times, but what laws has the Roman Church changed? Well, they fiddled with the Ten Commandments, removing the Second Commandment about not having and worshipping images. To make up the number of ten, they have split the last commandment about coveting in two. The question is, has this horn power sought to change God's times and laws? The answer is, you bet it has, and it's proud of it. Now, there was something else that really puzzled Daniel. And it was this, The saints shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Obviously, the horn power was able to persecute God's people for a certain period of time, but how long was that? History helps give the answer. Have you ever heard of the Dark Ages? They were called the Dark Ages because learning, investigation and knowledge of God's word was suppressed. Many scholars agree that 538, as I mentioned earlier, was the beginning of the papal dominance of the world. And it ended in 1798, when the Pope was taken prisoner and the papacy lost its seat of power. That adds up to 1260 years. But what does a time, times, and half a time mean? In prophecy, a day stands for year. The old word time is another expression for a year. The Jewish year had 360 days. So, by using that as our model, here is the maths. Time, singular, equals 360 days. Times, plural, that's two, equals 720 days or 720 years. Half a time is half a year, which is 180 days, which equals 180 years. And if you add those all up, you get 1260 years, exactly the number of years from 538 to 1798. Could the monster power Daniel saw in his vision be communism? No. Many aspects don't apply, although a few do. You know, the best thing in Daniel's vision is the last bit. And it says this, but the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and destroy it forever. 
Then the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom, that is God's kingdom, is an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions shall serve and obey him. That horn power, the monster, and all the injustices committed against God's people will be made right in the end by God. The horn power will be destroyed, be destroyed forever. God's people will live happy and free in God's everlasting kingdom for eternity. That's a privilege. That's what I personally look forward to. And I hope you will be there too because of your faithfulness. We've come to the end today, friends. May God guide and bless you as you live to serve him and until Jesus comes again. <laughs> 